Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I'm Jeff Glover. And today we're talking number 34. Well, Hmm. sorry. Today we're talking minute 34 of Predator. You could say this is the Bo Jackson of Predator. And Bo Jackson to the 20 and out in front and only one man to beat and easily can't run him down. He had the angle, but there goes Bo and nobody catches Bo. Touchdown. (laughs) Oh, nice. Charles Barkley of Predator. That's a terrible idea. Ooh, such a good rebounder. Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal of this day on. I would like to be known as the Big Aristotle. Oh. Did I say a predator? <laughs> Does it matter? The Shaquille O'Neal of Predator. <laughs> oh, it's so this episode is bad at foul shooting. Oh yeah, but it's yeah, uh, you know, hilarious in post game interviews. <laughs> oh yeah, and also I guess if we're the Charles Barkley of minutes, we're also we're, we're terrible, terrible, we're terrible. That's a terrible idea. Terrible, terrible, and we can't golf. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, have you ever seen him swing a golf club? Uh, you know, uh, no. <laughs> oh man, there's got to be some YouTube clips out there. He has the worst golf swing I've ever seen. Sure, I'm sure it's yeah. terrible. That's a terrible idea. Terrible. Sorry, Charles Barkley. <laughs> and oh, and uh, late, you know, baseball news. It's the Bryce Harper of minutes. I believe he's ah. number thirty-four. Just signed a gigantic contract with the Phillies. Mm. If I knew anything about baseball, I'd have more to say about that. <laughs> mm. He sure hits the home runs. <laughs> Does he? Great. <laughs> okay, so we are on minute 34 of Predator. Minute 34 opens with Billy laughing it up in Predator vision and ends with the Predator taking in the aftermath of the camp attack. Yeah, we get some attack! Predator attack. Mac, 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 Mac. <laughs> it's begun, everybody. Yep. Sorry. Uh, we get a lot of Predator vision in this one. A lot of vision of Predator, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll talk about it more, but um, we're really we're really in the middle of the genre shift, as we've talked about before, mm-hmm. the shift into Act 2. Act. Um, act. <laughs> Matt! And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and have a sip of my beverage. <laughs> I'm going to have my glass of white here. (laughs) And the great return of the drums. Yes. Drums, Drums, please. please. Drums, please. Perfect. So, uh, all right. So, should I start us off? Yeah, why don't you start us off? See what what we're doing here in the beginning of the minute. Why don't you? Okay. Well, it's carrying (laughs) over from the last minute. And uh, at the last minute, we we had some predator vision of uh, Billy happening. And so, this minute picks up with a little more like what a second or two of uh, eh, three seconds of some more predator vision here with Billy. And we cut back to regular vision and Billy is walking away from the camera and then stops mm-hmm. and turns. And we get this nice slow turn faces sort of back towards the camera, looks up into the canopy of the jungle. Mm-hmm. I feel like he has a good, uh, Kind of Rambo looking vibe here, don't you think? Oh, totally. I wasn't even thinking that, but he totally has that 80s Rambo. Yeah, the hair is kind of done up a little bit. Mm -hmm. The headband on or the, yeah, Mm -hmm. the, uh, and kind of blood on his face along with the army makeup, camo makeup. The giant weapon in his hand. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the green vest on. Yeah. Uh, reminiscent. Uh, so we are clear. Uh, clearly, we're assuming he senses or hears something. We know is the predator. Oh yeah, up here in the canopy. Yeah, yeah. He to- he totally does. And I think viewers might be kind of faked out watching this the first time around, knowing what happened, like knowing the general guidelines of this movie or the outline of this movie. They might be watching, thinking, "Oh, like the way he's pausing and the shaky cam's falling him a little bit." Like, is something going to happen to him right here? Is like, are we going to see some unseen attacker mm. take Billy on? But no, it's just, just kind of turns into him doing a maybe slightly faster than usual jog out of the camp. Like, uh, hey guys, wait <laughs> yeah. up for me. It cuts back wide and he just runs out yeah. towards the back of the jungle there. And we get some nice little sound spikes from Alan Silvestri's score here. Yeah. Kind of that Back to the Future esque. Da-da. Dun-dun. Yes. Yeah. If Billy could hear this, he'd totally be freaked out. This it's just you hear this, yeah, like you're saying, doo doo doo. You hear a little bit maybe flutes and then a little mm-hmm. bit of some strings, and then you hear like the mechanized version of the predator kind of ch ch Oh, yeah. Some drums. Not, not not the drums yet, but just some drums. And then your favorite kind of music right here, your favorite music sting is when he jogs out, then you hear the drums. Yeah, around like second 22 or so. Yeah. it fades in and we get those drums yeah so we're really we're getting a lot in in this minute the previous minute and in minutes to come we're going to get a lot of predator vision here Mm -hmm. and they're really establishing the predator as another character of the movie now shift the genre shift like we said is going to focus more on kind of the cat and mouse now between the team and the predator yeah because once it switches back to that predator vision you're assuming that oh whatever's watching through here is right it's only going to be a matter of time until it starts following the team but for whatever reason the predator vision that we're seeing here it's showing us that the predator is lingering on the camp it's not you know running full speed at billy it's not attacking him it's not chasing the team it's it's taking in everything. Um, if, if if you want to talk about what happens next, then in the next part of the minute, I don't I don't yeah. have a whole lot to say about Billy looking around. Other than it's like you're like you're saying, it's a good little Rambo moment, and it's a good scene of, of him connecting us, the audience, to the fact that um, there are maybe some people on the team who are going to be aware uh, if something's about to happen before it happens, involving the predator. Yeah. Well, Billy's been the one that's been most aware this whole time, right? Mm-hmm. He's got that spidey sense going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask, so you see him run off out of the camp towards the jungle. Do you think he's, is he running back towards the team, do you think? Or is he running like out off by himself? to go, I don't know, check something out or... I, th- I think this uh, is the direction Hawkins ran off in after Billy started laughing and Billy was just kind of sitting there laughing for however long, 10 to 15 seconds or so. And I think he's just following that trail. But we don't see anybody yeah. else. It's a dialogue-free scene, so nobody's calling him. And there's no other characters that we see other than Billy and the, the dead gorillas on the ground in this vision and in Predator vision. Yeah. All right. So Billy jogs out of the camp here, maybe a little faster than he normally would. Yeah. 
We see the remnants of their destruction. There's bodies laying about. We got turned over barrels. Shit is still on fire. But don't worry. They've left no traces. (laughs) No traces. Um, No traces. (laughs) No traces. No traces. No traces. Um, And then we get this kind of cool camera work here where the it's still a wide shot, but the camera sort of zooms and moves up at the same time through the smoke. I like the smoke here. Mm -hmm. Adds an air of mystery up and kind of points up into the canopy. And the whole time you're looking, looking, looking. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, you know, when I rewatched Predator a while back for this um, project, I at this scene, I I was convinced we were going to see that kind of wavy outline of the Predator up there, but we don't. We we keep thinking we're going to see it. Like in the few times we've done this, there's another time early on, yeah, where they're looking right in the jungle or the the, uh, camera's panning up very similar to this early on in the movie. And we think, oh, it's like, we're going to see that shimmer and no shimmer. We're just kind of left to want. And this is kind of a, a horror movie trope, actually, when the camera zooms in or slowly lingers on one area. This would be the classic place to drop in like a jump scare, like, you know, cut to like the cat jumping off the couch. Cat! Uh, cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, or like a, a window slamming shut or something mm-hmm. to make the audience jump. But uh, because we are expecting to see something, but don't. Yeah. But we don't get that here. We don't get any sort of suspenseful jump or or jump scare. It just then cuts away as it zooms into the jungle. It cuts away right back to Predator Vision. Yeah. Uh, I do. I do want to we... give credit before we jump to the Predator Vision. Uh, credit to oh, John sure, McTiernan yeah. doing the moving camera work. I was mentioning the shaky cam before, but I. I guess steady cam would be a more appropriate term when Billy's mm. basically marching out of the camp and you know slowly the first time the camera is following him and as soon as he stops and realizes something the camera stops and just stays uh, on him it, it's it's really effective camera work where you don't really right notice it I would say consciously but subconsciously you're saying wait the camera just froze meaning we're not just leaving right away meaning there's something extra we still have to experience or something extra we're missing possibly yeah absolutely bit of camera work on McTiernan's part again. Then we jump to the camera or the predator vision, like you're saying. Yeah. So we find out that he, the predator is right up in that area because when we cut back to predator vision, once you kind of get your bearings and you realize what you're seeing, you realize that the predator vision shot is from up in the trees, Mm -hmm. looking down at the destroyed camp. And we've got all these hot spots Mm -hmm. uh, around the ground. And uh, we're assuming those are bodies. Yeah. Just, just bodies. Just bodies. Just bodies. Yeah, and so as the predator vision, uh, the camera kind of zooms around the trees until there are no more trees in our obstructing our vision and we just see the camp. So I, I take this as the predator has come down from the trees and is now kind of exploring the camp now that the crew has left. Yeah, like maybe it's thinking if, you know, if this is the... the if this is the attacker responsible for all the skinned bodies that we saw in the beginning, just bodies, just bodies, just bodies, bodies. Uh, they're skinned alive. (laughs) He didn't disappear. He was skinned alive. Skinned alive. So good by Eric. Oh, what a, what a, what a good take by Arnold. Dropped him in the meat grinder. (laughs) (laughs) So he cooked up a story and dropped the six of us in a meat grinder. (laughs) You set us up. Um, what were we saying? I, I totally lost my train of thought. Got you off track. <laughs> track. Uh, <laughs> what were you? Okay, saying? so he I comes down know. into the camp. He's looking around. He's he's exploring. Yeah, he's probably along the lines of thinking, "Wow, like I skinned a few people, but these people just wiped out." <laughs> 
80 plus other life forms like th- these are maybe some true hunters compared to me and yeah yeah i might have advanced yeah. weaponry and advanced tools but it only you know it only takes a little bit of teamwork amongst them to take down a much more massive operation so may- maybe the predator you know, has some me- things to learn from the team <laughs> well you know from the predator's perspective he probably doesn't like care at all about killing this team of of humans no i mean he just watched them like come into this what he thought was a nice, calm, you know, <laughs> camp where everyone was enjoying food and fellowship. Food and fellowship. He just watched them blow the shit out of everybody. Yeah. And Red Baron. Little Smokey. Kill like 80 people. So maybe from his perspective, he's like, wow, these guys are dicks. Yeah. Those are the <laughs> bad guys right there. Like, Predator didn't have politics. He just has food and fellowship on the mind. He understands that, but he's not going yeah. to understand he, a proxy war. No, no, he doesn't understand the <laughs> geopolitical overtones. <laughs> <laughs> Broxy war. Yeah. He just what's that? What's that from? <laughs> no, I'm just. How would he say? Because every time he speaks, he has a oh, thing that right. gurgle this. This what the hell are you? Right, right. <laughs> Broxy war. Yeah, he just wouldn't understand. I don't understand the intricacies <laughs> of the geopolitical <laughs> politics. Cold war. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to work on my it's predator a, voice there, but yeah, yeah you get the idea. I just sound like an old man. <laughs> <when I do> it. <laughs> All right, so we are in predator vision. What else can we glean from this here? Predator comes down, looks around. He's out of the trees now. It's hard to tell what he's looking uh, at until he sees the body, and the body is clearly losing its heat. It's it's no longer, and I think we actually see a little bit of the temperature fading in yeah, this body. It does. It, it fades from like oranges and reds down to greens and blues. Yeah, I don't know if I have much more to say about this section here. John McTiernan, the the commentary he's giving is repeating some of what we learned when my dad, Bill Zabriskie, was a guest on the show uh, many moons ago, talking about how they were putting together the Predator Vision, this um, synthesis of heat vision and just regular camera work and marrying the two. But John McTiernan in this minute is going into great detail about the process of really how they messed up before they came to their solution. So I'll talk about kind of the mess up here in this minute and talk more about the solution, how they solved the problem of predator vision in the next minute, for a little teaser. Hmm. Uh, but in this minute, John McTiernan, tease. <laughs> tease. Uh, McTiernan <laughs> is talking about how the initial heat vision was real heat vision, how the original camera could only be four feet from the truck, which is obviously going to limit you physically. Um, but the big problem was <laughs> that the ambient temperature in Mexico at the time was in the 90s already, which is the same temperature as a warm human body, meaning that all the bodies already are going to be camouflaged. <laughs> everybody just looks the same Every, color. yeah it's just like a field of red because the whole jungle yeah. is steamy hot yeah yeah so uh, they tried a couple different solutions that didn't work and then like i said uh, next minute i'll go into the solution that i ended up working but uh, the special effects team originally said hey you know what would really make the things that we want to stand out stand out well how about we put ice water on all the plants which I think is just <laughs> hilarious. Just like imagine the oh the just the the water they had to bring in and John McTiernan. Well, and they had to make sure it was cold water yes, too, right? Ice water. Yeah. yeah. And I think we talked about that yeah. in a previous minute. They they had to bring in that cold water. That's right. We did. And yeah. the problem was sometimes they'd bring in the water trucks, and the water trucks would sit there in the sun and the heat, and you're spraying the water on all the plants, but but the the, the water's at that point heated up and. 
the same temperature, if not hotter, being inside those metal drums. So they had to really, really time that well, at least initially before they figured things out. Um, he also said that they would have the actor stand next to fires right before filming to f- further heat them up to distinguish their body heat from the ambient hmm. heat and that they could only film like just a few seconds at a time. There'd be all this, all this prep work. So God, how miserable would that be to be in the hot jungle and then have to go sit next yes. to the fire? Yes. A couple minutes before so you start shooting and remembering your lines and acting. Yep. What a miserable condition. Terrible. Terrible. Ugh. Oh, and and just seeing the fires burning this minute just kind of made me like make that connection. Like, oh, I wonder if like when they're first filming and they had these fires, maybe maybe the, these are some of the fires they'd have people stand next to. I'm not really sure. Yeah, just go stand next to a barrel. Yeah, stand next to a flaming barrel. Yeah. yeah, and maybe that's one of their methods. Maybe that's one of the reasons they have so many fires just kind of burning throughout, so that when they mm-hmm. would cut to the the predator vision. But they only do that a few times here at the end of the camp. Well, uh, to close out uh, talk of this minute, I was going to shift our conversation a little bit because we've talked several times about how uh, this movie is a genre shifting movie. How mm-hmm. we go from a kind of a uh, action war film uh, to a sci-fi action suspense thriller in the in the second well in the second two thirds mm-hmm. I guess and it made me think of other movies that have a genre shift in the middle nice. of them so uh, I thought I'd share just a quick little list that I made it is not a definitive <laughs> list <laughs> it's a definitive list I don't exercise uh, it's just a couple that I thought of so this is. Uh, Jeff Glover's uh, Nerdy Movie Corner. Cue the music. All right. Now, these all happen to be kind of horror related because I feel like a lot of, I know, (laughs) weird with me. But also, when you start to think about it, like a lot of movies that shift genres tend to shift from one genre into horror. Mm -hmm. Or at least of all the ones I could think of, that's what was happening. So, uh all right, so I, it's just uh, four films that came uh, to mind. The first one is actually not so much a horror film. Um, it's, again, more of a war film like this one, and that is uh, Full Metal hmm. Jacket. Um, and that might be a weird one to say because the whole thing is a war movie, but if you watch Full Metal Jacket, there's a very clear tonal shift in the middle of it. Hmm. Um, when they, Because the whole first half is, of course, uh, takes place at the boot camp, and it's really... It's a war film because these are soldiers, but it's really more of a character study and uh, is really about Private Pyle and the other soldiers around him at boot camp. And then, uh, of course, the drill instructor and the relationship between all these people, all these soldiers. Um, and there's really no combat, no war, nothing. It's it's just about their training. And uh, if you've never seen Full Metal Jacket, I won't spoil it for you, but I have um, seen that. The first half, <laughs> yeah, the first half of the movie almost plays like its own little miniature film, short mm-hmm. film, um, and then it shifts genres into more of a much more classic war movie, a lot like say Platoon or uh, Apocalypse Now or something like that, where it's they're following soldiers as they move through the jungle. So anyway, uh, that was one that came to mind. Have you? Uh, seen Full Metal Jacket uh, in recent time? Not in recent time. It was just one of those movies that I remember coming on TV when I was young and watching that or watching on HBO and just <laughs> when, when Private mm-hmm. Pyle does his thing 
and right we we start to shift to the actual war angle i remember just being so just like so surprised i i I turned it off i was like this is this is nuts and then knowing what the rest of it looks like now it's it's so interesting the route that kubrick took from right like your right your your high pressure boot camp experience to all of a sudden like you're dropped in the middle of a war there's a lot to the one could sit down and talk about with mm-hmm. that movie. There's a lot of themes and things going on, but um, if you're looking for a good genre shifter, um, I'd say that that one fits the yeah. bill. All right. Next on my list was, uh, I love this one starring Sam Neill event horizon. Oh yeah. I've seen that one too. <laughs> yeah. And I, I put that on my list because it starts out as a pretty straightforward sci-fi film. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've never seen Event Horizon, it's about a uh, there's a it's set in the future. There's a, a exploratory spaceship that's out in deep space and it disappears. And uh, all of a sudden, many years later, it shows up again. Uh, and there's nobody on the ship except for like a distress beacon happening. So the premise of the film is they put together a new team and they send them off. And this new team's uh, mission is to find this ship that has reappeared and figure out what's going on? Where did it go? Is there anyone on the ship? Is there any information about what happened? And uh, so that's a very much of a science fiction premise, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Once they get on the ship and they find it, it quickly turns into like a haunted house movie in space. Yeah, Um, It's very much like you could, you could transpose a lot of the themes and visuals uh, and storytelling mechanisms of the second half of that movie to just a, a standard kind of haunted house movie, but it's on a spaceship and it's in space and it's fucking Sam Neill. So it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Neill and Lawrence uh, Fishburne. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's a great one. It's a, a bit of a cult classic. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people have heard of it, yeah. um, but uh, there's definitely a dedicated group of fans out there with that movie. Hey, c- so. so a couple things. First, that movie just scared yeah. the bejesus out of me when I yeah, it is scary. Watched yeah. it, uh, and it, uh, there's gosh, a long time ago, but Aaron and I watched it, um, and at the time, I don't know, we we watched it, and then I think we went to go play basketball outside a few blocks from our home, and then on the way back home, I remember like it started getting dark, and Aaron and I were like, <laughs> Aaron and I just kept picking up the pace to go back home, and like. <laughs> But by the time we're hitting the door, we're just running and Aaron won't own up to it anymore these days. But <laughs> I remember specifically just being like, I have to, I'm like Billy running out of that camp. Like I, I need right. to go join the rest of humanity. <laughs> well, you were talked about in a couple of minutes ago, how you always, or was the meme about running up the yes. stairs when it yes. starts? <laughs> or the basement stairs. Like just like, I don't always run up the basement stairs. Just kidding. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> that was it. But yeah. the second thing, is at the end and i can cut this out for spoilers but at the end what Uh what is happening at the end because if i remember correctly the the remaining team is like uh like i think they just the last shot you see i think is like some like is cutting us off from like viewing the the team joining is that open it's been a i i I have to admit i haven't watched event horizon in it's probably been seven or eight years okay um, so I can't quite remember the specifics, but I, I do remember thinking to myself that it seemed to me like they had opened some sort of like, right, right. And, and, uh, in the end, everyone gets, 
but I'd have to rewatch it again to really have a have a good answer to your question. I, I can't okay. quite remember the specifics. Yeah, sorry. It's like it reminds me of Hellraiser. I don't know if you've ever seen Hellraiser. Uh, well, yeah, way back when. I, I used to watch the horror movies, but there's there's yeah. a reason I don't watch them anymore. It's just <laughs> my psyche cannot handle being that scared. Yeah. Anyway, you definitely don't have to leave all that in. Yeah. But uh, Event Horizon, excellent, excellent sci-fi horror shift. <sighs> Terrifying. All right. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> the next one I'll, I'll mention, I'm not going to talk about it a whole bunch because I actually didn't like it that much, but it is a movie that does shift genres. And it's a film directed by a famous uh, horror director named Takashi Miike. Um, and it's called Audition. Huh. And it starts out the whole first like two thirds of the movie is it's kind of interesting. It's about this kind of lonely man. It's it's a Japanese film and uh, it's a lonely man and he is searching for a wife and decides to put out like a personal ad where he ends up like interviewing lots hmm. of women, trying to find a woman who wants to date him or be with him. Um, and let's just say that in the last about one fourth of the film, shit gets really dark and all of a sudden turns from this drama kind of this melodrama about this lonely man into a straight up crazy ass oh. horror movie. Yeah. So that's audition, audition by Takashi Miike. Okay. I mean, it was okay. I said it before I didn't like it. It's all right. I know a lot of people love that movie. I, I was not as, it's, I, I respect that it's a good film. It just didn't quite uh, do it okay. for me. And then my last one is uh, one of my favorite films. You can probably guess what I'm going to say. Do you have, uh, do you have a guess? Dust Till Dawn? Yes. From Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest sh- genre shifting movie of all time <laughs> in my opinion <laughs> i wish i could go back in time and watch that movie again and have no idea mm. what's going on i just love when i first saw from dust till dawn when i was a teenager it blew my mind i just love the idea of starting the movie one direction like with one feel and sort of one tone that i really really like and then all of a sudden it just shifts and turns into this super campy gory violent b movie which i also love so for me it was like watching two kick-ass movies back Mm. to back i love from dust till dawn i know not everyone is a fan but um for me it just uh pushes all the right buttons that's a that's a good point you bring up about how the genre shift really done right can give you basically two stories or two movies and one that right if it's done right then you're really enjoying two movies for the price of one that's really neat yeah, and you know, like from dusk till dawn is definitely playing towards a particular mm-hmm. audience. I think some people went to see that movie because Quentin Tarantino right. was in it, and I thought they were going to get a Quentin Tarantino movie, which you kind of do in the first mm-hmm. half an hour. It feels like a Quentin Tarantino movie with the violence, like the, the kind of the real world violence and the dialogue. But what you're really getting is a Robert Rodriguez right. movie, which is vampires and over the top gore and guts. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't seen Dust Till Dawn in a while, check it out, kids. It's still great. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. It's a good yeah. list. All right. Well, thanks for letting me nerd out there for a moment. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and... and... Give a plug to the one that always comes to my mind, uh, the Cornetto trilogy, uh, which has Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End, has a great genre shift in both Hot Fuzz yes. and World's End. But World's End, um, it happens a lot sooner than in Hot Fuzz, um, which I don't, I, I think makes for a more surprising moment, honestly, because Hot Fuzz 
when it shifts genres, it's almost inevitable the way it shifts genres. Like, oh, it has mm-hmm. to go to this, this path <laughs> right. if, if we're going to resolve any kind of conflict, if we're going to resolve the story here. But um, World's End just kind of traipses drunkenly into or drunkenly into the next genre when when you know it becomes more of a sci-fi bent. And I, I remember watching the teaser trailers for that, totally not expecting what happens in the movie, and then watching this in the theater. And it's kind of like you saying, "Oh, I wish I could see that again with new eyes," as if. Seen yeah. it before, and that's another. That's one of those movies where it just turns into such a bizarre uh, sci-fi movie for the rest of it. After I think the first half hour or so, that yeah, it'd be yeah. fun to see that again with those new eyes and like be taken aback again. Like whoa, did not see that coming. It's fun recommending these types of movies to people mm-hmm. that haven't seen them or haven't heard much about them, and then afterwards being like, "So what'd you think?" Mm-hmm. Right, and then you get to kind of experience the surprise through them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that was a good uh, good little list there. Good uh, movie nerd corner. Thanks, Jeff. It's a definitive list. Yeah. Thanks for, the, for letting me have a nerd corner for a moment. Hi. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> nerds. I think that's going to be it. Nerds. Oh, that's what it is. It's the Revenge of the Nerds guy. Nerds. <laughs> it's a definitive list. Changing nerds, 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 nerds. Was it no John Goodman in uh, Revenge of the Nerds? He goes, "You just got your asses kicked by a bunch of goddamn nerds. <laughs> you just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds." <laughs> there you go. There's the job. Oh, that's great. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks uh, for letting me have that little uh, tangent there. Should we wrap things up with recommends? Yeah, let's uh, dive into the recommends part of the show and uh, tell us, tell the audience, tell the listeners what we're listening to, reading, watching, wearing. Yeah, so I got a, a TV show I've been watching lately. This is an HBO show and it is called High Maintenance. Mm. Have you watched this at all? Dan? I have not. I haven't even heard of this. Okay. Yeah, high maintenance. It's uh, it's on, in its third season on HBO. Um, each show is about a half hour long. The premise of the show is it's interesting. It's the main character of the show is this guy that rides his bicycle around New York City, and he's a, a weed dealer. Hmm. And he just and so every episode is kind of follows him as he meets one of his customers. And then the camera will leave him and follow that customer, and the rest of the episode is is about that person. And so, in that regard, it's kind of like an anthology in that every episode is sort of a different story, but they're all tied together by this one character who's a weed dealer driving his or riding his bike around New York. Huh. And it's really good. The stories are fun and funny and interesting. Some of them are weird. Each episode, like I said, each episode's like a half hour long, so it's an easy watch. Yeah, check it out. High maintenance. High maintenance. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what uh, drew you to that show? You know, I was just flipping through uh, HBO and um, it was one that popped up and I had seen like an ad for it and I thought it looked interesting. So my wife and I put it on and we watched like three episodes right in a row and we were hooked. Awesome. Neat. Yeah. Okay. High maintenance. High maintenance. What do you got on the docket for us? Uh, I just watched, again, one of these Netflix originals highly recommended to me from uh, the net the netflix Ooh. algorithm i think i know which yeah, one yeah okay is is it was it triple triple frontier it was triple frontier I, it's on my list i gotta watch it awesome yeah i would say it's a it's a, it's a good little action 
suspense click, click, uh, flick with mm-hmm. uh, a high star power. You have Ben Affleck. Affleck! Um, you have. <laughs> Affleck's in it? I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, Affleck's in it. You have Pedro Pascal, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam. Oh, uh, a, yeah, that's a good guess. A fifth person of the team I'm not really familiar with and I don't remember his name but uh, the way it starts off I mean I'm watching it thinking holy cow here's this team going into the jungle to mm-hmm. take out this this camp of well, drug dealers and uh, they're doing it for selfish reasons and the whole idea is that they're going after the money of this drug lord and they have to pack it out of Brazil to the ocean pack pack, pack. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not packing it they're not packing it to the Atlantic Ocean they're packing it to the Pacific Ocean so they have all this these natural obstacles to traverse and they have other follies befall them uh, but it's 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 a good little suspense action flick like i'm saying you're just hoping they make it hoping they make it hoping they make it but it's yeah mm. triple frontier it's yeah i saw it come up on like my netflix recommended thingy and uh i saw in the description the word heist and i was immediately like okay i'll watch it yeah <laughs> i love heist movies yeah. so it's on my list i'll have to check it out yeah good recommend awesome thanks yeah so that is it for the recommends and we talk about where can people find you, Jeff? Oh, I'm on the Twitter, capital K Carl, mm-hmm. underscore capital H Hungus, 314. My name is Carl been expert. Uh, I was pretty quiet last week, but uh, I'll try to uh, get back on there with March Madness uh, firing up this week. I'll probably be on there either being excited about wins or angry about losses. So Yeah, or a little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> you might get some drunk tweets from me <laughs> from Vegas. <laughs> yeah, so follow the hot action at Carl underscore yeah. Hungus314 <laughs> on the Twitter. Well, uh, you can find Predator Minute conversations on Facebook at Predator Minute Listeners Palapa. Hop on there and start up the conversation about your favorite genre shift movies. I think I smell a question of the week coming. Yeah. Mm. But we're also on the Twitter, Predator Minute, and you can email the show with uh, insights, questions, comments at PredatorMinute at gmail.com. We are part of the Movies by Minutes community. There are more than 100 podcasts devoted to the format of breaking down a movie one minute at a time. So go on there, moviesbyminutes.com. Check that out. Find your favorite movie or favorite genre, horror. That would be for Jeff, just so you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, see see what's happening with those different movies and check them out. So for Predator Minute, I've been John Zabriskie. And I'm Jeff Glover. And until next time... It's all bullshit! It's all bullshit! All of it! <laughs> I mean, stick around. Stick around. I mean... Stick around. I forgot what I was doing. Stick around? Stick around. Just bodies. Just bodies. <laughs> That's my new favorite one. <laughs> oh, you like that one from uh, Commander? I do. I like that one. Yeah, the way he says it. Just bodies. Just bodies. Just bodies. Yeah, just, just so... He just so... Casual, so cavalier about Just it. bodies. Yeah. Just bodies. <laughs> I like the inflection. Just bodies. Just bodies. Just bodies. <laughs> now, all the tags um, this time around, all the tags for the latest episode, I just took Arnold's lines. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. They just all became their own tags. So you have, yes. okay, it's hashtag, you set us up. Hashtag, it's all bullshit. Hashtag, all of it. Hashtag, the cabinet minister. Hashtag, the whole business. Hashtag, God is in here to do your hashtag dirty work. <laughs> yes. I just love that well line. Done. And yeah, Eric just nailed it. Oh, he nailed it. You set us up. It's all bullshit. All of it. The cabinet minister, the whole business. God is in here to do your dirty work.
Uh, I've just mostly been looking at the first round because uh, that's what I'm going to be down there for the first 32 games, like Thursday Whoa. and Friday. Um, so I've been just pouring over those games, trying to decide, looking at the spreads, who I want to bet on, over-unders, all that stuff. I haven't thought much about beyond that, like who I think is going to win the tournament. I, uh, I did fill out a bracket, and I think I chose Duke, but I might go back and change it. I haven't decided yet. Duke. Dude. Yeah, aren't They're they so favorite? Good. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean... I chose them, and I was like, everybody in the freaking country is choosing Duke, but they're also really good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like sometimes you get the underdog that sneaks in there and surprises the world, and sometimes it's Duke versus UNC. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of like the NFL playoffs recently, right? Where mm-hmm. Patriots are just yeah, it's no surprise that they won. Yeah, great, <laughs> great. awesome. <laughs> it's like I, m- I remember a few years ago when Duke won for the first time in a few years, like again. Yeah. And I remember there was, if it was an SI cover or something like that, where they were saying like return to normalcy or something. It was something along those lines, like back to like right. how it should be or something like that. I just thought, oh, that's what a bunch of losers who think like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's like, there's a couple two seeds that are really good. Like Tennessee. Yeah. That's my team, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were made a two seed. They, they, you could make an argument they should have been a one seed. Yeah, they, um, they fell flat in the tournament, yeah. though. They lost by 20 to yeah, I guess that much lower-ranked Auburn. But. Um, but I like, you know, like Auburn's good. I think they'll make some noise. I like uh, Houston. It's mm-hmm. a three seed, and they're really good. Uh, I think Michigan's good. So, But Duke is obviously like probably the best team in the nation. And I was looking at their the corner of their bracket, and if, I feel like they have one of the easier paths too. Are they one overall? Or are they number one? I think so. Of the whole bracket, yeah. okay. So we'll see. I don't know. I, yeah, like I said, I'm looking. I've, I've been looking mostly at those that first round of games, trying to figure out how I'm going to bet. All right. Uh, do you have a prediction? Oh man, I don't. <laughs> I don't follow <laughs> yeah, much don't sports as much as I used to, <laughs> so I'm just going to say yeah. Virginia because it'd be cool to see a team win who. I don't know. Have they ever won? I don't know. should say, of course, the University of Virginia has produced famous senators, business leaders, journalists, but never an NCAA basketball champion until now. 